Hello and welcome to the Told You So podcast. I'm Brink. And I'm Carla. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the New Hampshire primary, uh, sort of generally with a little bit of a focus of the upcoming one. Obviously, the Democratic primary will be uh, coming up soon. Um, but it's a really interesting institution, and Carl and I have both been here through two of them. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just going to sort of dive into it. Yeah, and, and, I mean, New Hampshire is uniquely New Hampshire. It's also, of course, the first in the nation. Um, people have sort of varying, differing views about whether that's a good or a bad thing. Right. Uh, it certainly is on the Republican platform as a supposedly good thing. I think it's legally required, actually. I think it's in our, it's, if not in our Constitution, it's in our uh, laws that we have to be the first primary that and, happens. So. And so what will happen sometimes is Iowa or I think one year California, some some other states will get, you know, a little uppity and they'll be like, yeah, we're going to uh, jump in front of you in the line. And then you'll see this mad scramble and everyone will move their dates. It's and actually it's entirely possible that that'll be a, a major issue this time around. Actually, the more that I think about it, it's likely that it'll be a major issue um, because, you know, the big critique of the early states, Iowa with the first caucus and New Hampshire with the first primary, is that these are two rural, overwhelmingly white states, and therefore they don't represent these huge, massive, you know, cities and places that are much more diverse in America. Um, and I would imagine that on the Democratic primary side, that that's the sort of argument that would land pretty well in terms of saying, is it right to do this here first? Um, Although for the most part, I mean, certainly didn't Hillary, I think Bernie took the 2016, was that the year? No. Yes. 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 When was the last presidential? Yes. It was 2016. Look 2015, 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Look at me go. It's confusing because it spans over, it's, you know, over the winter. So some are happening in January of 2016 or, or whatever. Anyway. Yes. No, wait, the other way around. I'm sorry. 20. 15 was all the primaries. Well, no, the primary. So the primary for next year in 2020 will be February 11th, 2020. And why I, I still managed to confuse this. All I know is that I worked on the primary in 2008. It was for the 2008 election. How am I so confused? I don't know. He's he's awfully confused, but I am not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have the primary coming up. Of course, um, there will also be a primary on the Republican side. Is that correct? Isn't no. Bill Weld like running against Trump? How I does that, that work? Counts. I don't really understand I, how that works. I mean, that would be a funny like comedy movie. Would be if there was a, a primary election that no one knew about. <laughs> And but, so, but the, Bill the Weld is was, running against Trump. Is he running as a libertarian? I believe I, he's running as a Republican <laughs> against Trump. So, isn't there like a primary no, for the, the Republican Party then? Yes, and there will there will be for and it's obviously on the same day, right? And obviously for the Senate race and all of those too. Uh, oh right. Yeah. So, and typically that'll be on the same day. So, would the people then be encouraged to come out and vote for Trump? Like, would that be seen as a referendum, or is it mostly? It's uh, mostly just for the Democrats, right? It's mostly just for the Democrats. I mean, I, I think it'll typically it's going to be relatively low turnout. Like the presidential election tends to lead a lot more voters to the polls. You know, every midterm election is much less popular than. Uh, oh, I know. I've I've done a presidential and a midterm, and I know that in my races, I saw a distinct. <laughs> well, and on top of that, reaction. I mean, primaries, primaries. It's even more so. I, I, as much as like people don't care about midterms, midterm primaries are even stupider. Don't, but, don't, <laughs> don't knock the primaries. I won the libertarian ballot for District Twenty in the primaries last year on a write-in. Okay. And, and I had to do a recount because they did not count. I, 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 I haven't even been elected to office, folks, and I've already <laughs> been written in and won and had a recount and won. I mean, I think I'm destined, destined for politics. two-thirds of the way there. But <laughs> you just need the I, actual all, victory. All I, all I still need to do is 
write an insipid children's book. There you go. Like, uh, so before we started recording, Carla was telling me that apparently the mayor of Baltimore, who is now the ex-mayor of Baltimore, uh, it was a scandal because she, what did she require people she, to do? She required people to buy her, and I quote, insipid children's <laughs> book in bulk. <laughs> and so I think a, la- a laudable goal for me one day will be to be like, I want to be powerful enough to force people to buy my insipid <laughs> book in bulk. I but what... only because you want to. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder what it, it was. It would be amazing if it was about like, I want to grow up to be mayor. <laughs> and it was just about like the amazing mayor. But <laughs> I, I kind of, I kind of want to go read it now. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Anyway, back on topic. Um, yeah. So I, I think that uh, these <laughs> point being, Carla's going to be mayor. She's going to make everyone buy her book. It's yes. going to be great. <laughs> it might be insipid. But no, my book's going to be awesome. All of them. All, all three volumes. I think so. I'm, yes, I agree. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so there's obviously this big uh, Democratic primary fight happening on the national stage. Uh, there's a bunch of different candidates. There's like way too many to probably talk about in less than three hours. I, uh, so what? They're like... Does 20. 20, is it 20? I yeah. was going to say 26, and that felt a little high. Well, there's 20 that were allowed in the debates, so there's probably dozens. I mean, maybe scores. <laughs> <laughs> a fortnight of Democratic candidates. <laughs> a murder. <laughs> like a murder of crows. of crows. And then I actually learned uh, you also call it a murder of couriers. Like bike couriers? That's weird. Right? I thought it was. But then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. What did they do to deserve that? I don't know. I, I have played know. Paperboy. It's pretty violent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, so but yes, there's a, there's a gaggle. A gaggle, a murder, a, a convocation, whatever, whatever group term A prickle yeah. <laughs> is what porcupines are. <laughs> that's a true story. There's a whole... there's. Anyway, this is a topic for a different show. There's a great album uh, called Crow, I think, by a band called Eagle Twin. Anyway, and it's all weird poems by a poet named Ted Hughes. <laughs> and uh, But it's really great doom metal. And there's a whole one that's all just the various uh, names of groups of animals. Oh, but really? But ever super grinding music. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I would love that. And we should we should get a copy of that because that's like instructional. That should be in a homeschool it kit is. somewhere. It's pretty good. And it's because I think it's called a storytelling of ravens and a group of ravens is called a storytelling. Oh, that's which is so cool. bizarre. I didn't know. Uh, English <laughs> is such a beautiful language. It really is. Yeah. Well, uh, if you watched the first debate, I agree that English is a beautiful language. I agree that Spanish is a beautiful language. <laughs> uh, one candidate in particular maybe marred Spanish's good Hola. name. Estoy Beto. Estoy de Tejas. Uh, I mean, it was bad. Um, he's really kind of faded from, from prominence. Although I do see he has an office downtown on Elm Street in Manchester, really? right across from Theo's. Are we talking about Peter O'Rourke, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's got, um, looks a little... Rough around the edges, <laughs> like a little, uh, you know, they have like a paper version of his name spelling out Beto, B-E-T-O, with like white paper in the window and like a saggy little <laughs> curtain just hanging off to the side. But it's half an office right. and the other half is still for rent. And so I was like, oh, it'll be kind of interesting to see which other candidate mm. gets an office there. And then I was like, wow, just think about the logistics of it, right? So you're running for president. This is an important state, so I'm going to assume they don't have offices in all 50 states, right? No, definitely not. They just pretty they, much they have, here, they have maybe probably in regional Iowa. people, and yeah, for a smaller campaign like that. I mean, they probably have volunteer coordinators that run run quote unquote each state, but yeah, I would doubt they have a, a national national organization. Right, and so you know, I I I don't know. I thought it was kind of cute, and and there is something like if you love politics, if you're into that stuff, like New Hampshire is kind of exciting. For yeah, that. well, it's hyper accessible. I mean, that's the neat thing is that uh, you really can. I mean, I, I get an email. My, my parents moved here about a year ago, and. Uh, so they signed up for this email, and uh, it's, it has all the events that all the candidates are going to be at every day. And it's like four or five candidates at five or six locations every day. Uh, and if you're interested in politics in New Hampshire, 
or interested in national politics or, you know, have something that you want to insert into the conversation by asking a candidate or it's just incredibly accessible in a way that it's not anywhere else. Yeah, although, like, the retail politics is also kind of weird to me. Like, it did yeah. occur to me uh, last time I ran, I was like, what's this retail politics thing and should I be doing it? Should I be <laughs> showing up at diners when right. people are having brunch in the morning and just kind of foist myself <laughs> on them? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I was sort of like, you know, if I was out for breakfast and like some politician just sidled up to my table and was all like, <laughs> let me tell you about myself, I'd be kind of put off. Now, I understand that's me, but I guess people are really into that. Yeah, I, mean, I also wonder how, uh, whether or not, and this would be an interesting thing for like a academic study, but whether or not that's uh, constricted, you know, over the past 10, 12 years, because real public events where you're really interfacing with the public are not that common for, for big name politicians. Like they, they really do a, a really good job of sequestering people away from reality. Um, you know, town halls are not town halls. They are typically, Staged, yeah, they're right? stacked with people that get tickets cause they're friends of the campaign or, you know, whatever it's, it's, there's a lot more staging. And I think that a lot of it came from, um, well here, let me, let me, to my own horn. Uh, I, one of my first jobs here in New Hampshire was to uh, jump out from behind the bushes with a camera and yell questions at congressmen and senators <laughs> that were really pointed and worded in such a way that they couldn't answer them well. <laughs> so they would just be like, shut up. And and then videotape it. And, so it'd be like aha moments, like yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, and it was like, called Do a, you remember any of the questions? Yeah, well, the terminology was uh, intercept videos. Because ah, you like okay. find out where they're going to be, you position yourself between them and their transportation, and you intercept. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it was uh, all on the topic of the Employee Free Choice Act, um, which was a labor bill that actually it was like I, I felt good asking them about it because they uh, what the bill would have done was it would have legalized um, union organizers going to people's homes, uh, to like in the parking lot, they would have been allowed to. Uh, basically uh, uh, propagandize or intimidate potentially people outside of the workplace. And also it would have made it so you wouldn't have a private ballot on whether or not your workplace uh, unionizes. Right. Yep. So it would have meant, you know, if you are having a, a, one of the elections that would have chosen whether or not to join a union for your shop, um, everybody would know how you voted. So like, even if you voted no and it went that way and you're there. like, all right, you, the, you know that you're not really one of the guys. So anyway, I thought that that was uh, bad legislation and it didn't make it through. Yay. Um, but yeah, it was all, you know, uh, why don't you support uh, work? Uh, what, what was it? Yeah. Why don't you uh, support uh, employees right to a private ballot in a workplace election or something, uh, like, you know, stuff like yep, that. Yep. And obviously it was not so stuttery then. <laughs> um, but the other thing was, off the lips. yeah. But then the, the other thing that I did was uh, I went and just videotaped uh, campaign events. So I would stand in the back and just, you know, stay there with a video camera and record the whole thing. And obviously everybody's looking for that Mitt Romney saying that 47% of people don't pay taxes and they don't matter moment. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it, it was just like to, to get the messaging for the home crowd, if you will, which is, I, I think, an interesting point. Um, and it was really, it was fun, engaging work for 22 year old me. Oh, um, I bet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I think that one of the side effects of that was that uh, things used to be a lot more open and you could just show up and just do stuff. Oh, it's uh, so basically know? what you're saying is it's your fault that yes. we now have staged yes, town halls. Exactly. Oh, so I'll, I'll take the heat for that. But, uh, <laughs> No, but so anyway, so I think that the and those were the years where there was a lot of like sort of street media, oh, was wild sort of, street you know, theater. It was, it was great yeah. because it was uh, it was an exciting time. Like the tech had gotten cheap enough where just you right. know man on the street could intercept. <laughs> right, I was still using a camcorder. I mean, the smartphone hadn't become a thing. Yet. Oh yeah, I mean, when I got arrested for filming police officers, that's a video camera. Yeah. That's not my phone. Right. No, and you know that. I mean, that changed everything even more. Imagine like you you show yourself by having a, a video camera in the room when you just have your phone and everybody's taking pictures. Right. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. So now everything by necessity is being filtered through like a new media. So it needs to be. Uh, 
restrained and uh, edited and made good for public consumption on all channels. Yeah. Uh, because that's, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. It's there you can't have a private channel of communication. I mean, you can with like private meetings, but even then there's this there's this risk of being recorded like uh well, but here's the thing. How about we just live in a society where you stand by what you say, you are thoughtful or not thoughtful right. in what you say, and, you know, let's just, because this sort of idea of, like, oh, we can pander and we can, it's like, no, really, pretty much what you're doing is you're lying or telling one group of people one thing and then telling other people a diametrically opposed thing, you know, right. like, oh, I'm going to let you keep your money and I'm going to take your money or I'm going to, you know, and it's right. just, it's. It's, I, guess it's I know it's of, too much to expect, and it's a but I think we're going to move towards that. I mean, to yeah. some extent, that's in some ways what Trump epitomizes to me is right. just this sort of like they let this like old man loose with a Twitter <laughs> account, and they were like, "Grips, <laughs> you can do whatever you want and well, say whatever you want. Off well, you that's, go." That's champ. what's kind of wild about him is that he's he's insulated himself from the danger. I mean, he has such a long history of being recorded and being in the public eye like he's insulated from the danger of showing up on a secret recording because even that couldn't sink him the entertainment tonight it was like that's how i act all the time this is who i am man like he's he has no public private uh uh filter you but know? i think that's a strength or maybe i'm wrong i mean that could be that could be the true secret is that he no goes home at night i think no i don't puts know his fingers he seems... together and he seems pretty consistent. I mean, if no, you I, look at videos I, from like way back in the day and stuff, like he he does seem pretty consistent. And I yeah. actually think of all things, that's what voters find appealing. I think that's part of the reason people are like, at least he's not fake. At least he's not, you know, just telling people, well, yeah. is he? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. That's, I, that's I, the question. I, I have no skin in this game. Did not vote for him. <laughs> don't hold me accountable. You know? Well, it's interesting that we... Started off trying to talk about the Democratic primary, and now we're talking about Donald Trump. See, he's so <laughs> that's what he does. I mean, yeah. we we and they're all talking about Donald Trump. And, and, and I mean, that's I mean, I th that's the most interesting dynamic to me is that they're they're not running they're not running for president. They're running for anti-Trump. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and 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 whether you agree with it or not, he does seem to be playing a pretty smart propaganda messaging game, right? We were talking yeah. about the mayor of Baltimore earlier. <laughs> right. Because, you know, Baltimore has been in the news and he's been pretty disparaging. And I saw a meme that just really made me laugh out loud where it was like Trump is a magician oh, with yeah. a hat in front of him. And it was like, and now I will make the Democrats defend rats. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it's true. They all fall for it. And then they're all talking about what he wants them to be talking right. about instead of let's talk about issues. I mean, the only one I have a vague clue about um, is Tulsi Gabbard. Mm -hmm. And what I know about her is pretty much that she's anti-war. She, she was a soldier who served and that... Um, you know, she's from Hawaii and she seems to love nature and the, you know, and I'm like, I'm down with yeah. all of that stuff. It's just how do we, you know, enforce those? She's bad on guns, but out yeah. of everyone so far I've seen. And she's less than realistic about a lot of, uh, you know, the like Medicare for all and uh, Green New Deal stuff. Oh, you mean that pesky thing called <laughs> economics? Like yes. it's like, oh, we'll just make it all free. Well, that's one thing that I've appreciated. Uh, I mean, and not like I would vote for him because he believes in, and I don't mean this metaphorically, he believes that everyone should be enslaved by the government for a year when they're 18. Who says? Uh, John Delaney. Um, oh, he's he he's that, one like, of the very ca uh, ca uh, like corn fed mid mid, mid no he's from uh, Maryland guy with the freckles no he's like male pattern baldness looks like Bill Dotree from King of the Hill kind of mm. <laughs> um, mm. he's yeah he's a he's from Maryland he was a business owner and he was the guy that like when everybody's like yeah no definitely Medicare for all is definitely gonna be awesome it's gonna be great and when they're <laughs> And the host is like, uh, these numbers say it's not. And they're like, well, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's going to be great. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, but Delaney kept pushing back on it, um, in particular because he was like, listen, Medicare reimbursement is like 22 cents on the dollar. And I went and talked to a bunch of hospitals. And in the bill that you have, if uh, you keep the Medicare reimbursement rate the same, which is what's in the bill, they said that they would have to close. 
because if everybody was paying 22 cents on the dollar, they couldn't continue to operate and pay people. Well, well <laughs> so, they couldn't continue to operate and pay people at the levels they're paying. Right. So this is like a very prime example just, you know, for, for folks out there to think about. It's like, well, maybe the hospital would stay open. Its level of service would drop by 60%. Right. And either the doctors would all have to go on sort of standardized one level salaries and, you know, the nurses. And, and so you would kill what makes things exceptional, right? Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, and his other criticism is that necessarily, and again, part of the bill is it bans private insurance. So it means that, like, sorry, if you like what you have, you don't have it, and you're not allowed to pay more. You have to pay taxes. And I actually think that's where the Democrats have made a mistake, in my opinion. There are 137 million, I believe is the number. It's in that range. Mm -hmm. Americans who have private health insurance. And those that's a big number. That is like more than people who vote in America, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to put yeah. it in context. And so it's like I think the you know, those people are not going to be super keen to lose their. I mean, we all saw what happened when we did the switch where right. it was like, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. Well, apparently that wasn't true. And also either. like nationalizing huge industries is just kind of. Not not so into it. <laughs> no, it's it's not a good. I mean, outcome. And, and also but, that's I, the other. Cr- even, so fair. Well, even even places like I mean, Canada and Sweden, as we talked about too, they all have private insurance that's available to people. If you want to pay more, you can go and get extra service. But the idea, I mean, so this is the crazy part: is it's not it's not just a safety net. It's like we're going to penalize anyone, and God forbid you want to pay more right, for service. I mean, I would like, be surprised if anyone's even thought that far. I think they're all just kind of like throwing out theories there, and, and yeah. they're not very, um, you know, succinct or well thought out policy pieces yet i think right. everyone's just kind of like we're gonna throw out universal health care well no we're so, so out, warren you know? warren and sanders uh and harris i think harris they're all on this bill in the senate so it's a it's a concrete policy proposal this isn't even this isn't like pie in the sky we should oh, have that, medicare for all it's like private insurance yeah it's that's in 100%? the bill yeah exactly oh wow this I didn't is realize like this it was is a, that bad it's a bill We're that you there. can read we'll that's a, the, the u.s senate you know that's submitted well, to the well, you u.s know, senate. they won't read it <laughs> I, I doubt they read <laughs> Their legislative it maybe it doesn't actually role. say it um, no i'm sure it does say whatever horrible things you're saying it says but uh you would think people would be way more outraged right now well it's unlike nobody's gonna it's not gonna pass it's not gonna go anywhere so nobody cares okay and again, this is the other sort of. It's not. I mean, it's a little. It's Atlanta's more set irony. <laughs> it's, but uh, all like, these people. Like I'm wet and I'm on a bus. Or... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Where it's like, is that ironic? I I don't think. Um, but <laughs> uh, no, they're they're all. Uh, <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought. So I'm they, sorry. Uh, so so the Democrats pretty much so universal health care. So another one that seems fairly consistent that people seem to be talking about is. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Sorry, it's that <laughs> these people are all running for president, and the things that they're talking about, they can't even do as president. Like you can't make Medicare for all be a thing as president. You can only sign it into law or veto it. Like, can't can't that, they do it by executive order? No, ah, no. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, they do all kinds of crazy things with executive orders. They these do, days. but I mean, that would be that would be so outside of the bounds of the constitutional authority of a president. Did, didn't it, they pass the Patriot Act with executive? No. no. Okay. That was overwhelming support of the. <laughs> well done, Congress. Thanks, you know. man. Thanks. No, but, I mean, so what I'm saying is, like, it's a bunch of these. These they're all a bunch of senators, and they're running for president, being like, "I'm going to do my job as a senator as president," and it's like, well, actually. You're not allowed to vote on stuff unless there's a tie in the Senate and you're the vice president. And you're running for president, so you can't do that. <laughs> but I, and I don't know how to explain uh, really any better why uh, how it annoys me so much. But, like, you, this whole uh, – the, the things they can influence, immigration they could absolutely influence. Um, but, like, big tech and stuff, like, you're the president. You can't make them do anything. You can yell at them and use a bully pulpit, but you can't – legally do a damn thing unless they're breaking the law and you use the executive branch to go after them for like actually breaking the law. But anyway, or you'll just find them. I I roll your your heavy. eye roll was appropriate, (laughs) but 
<laughs> no, so anyway, it's like a, it's there's this misunderstanding. It's like they're running for like best American that likes the most good stuff, and that's not what the president does at all. And I mean, very few of them. I think Bernie Sanders mentioned it. Tulsi Gabbard definitely mentioned it. Um, but they're they're not even talk like it's like everybody forgets that we have an ongoing war in Afghanistan. Several and that and we keep claiming is over and then sending thousands more troops. Like Yeah, I mean it's 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 actually tragic. I mean America's now been in wars I mean what eighteen, nineteen. There's years, kids right? signing up that that I, th- I think they had it was like last year the first soldier that was born after the war started was uh, signed up and started yeah. fighting in it. And it's uh you know that that's it's, tragic. I mean I hope that I, I actually was hopeful even with Trump. You know, he was on the record as being fairly anti-war. He yeah. certainly gave some pretty hardcore tweets about it back before he became commander-in-chief. And yeah. so I've been disappointed with that. But sure, okay, we're talking to North Korea. That seems good. Um, but yeah, Sanders is anti-war, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's de- it's a bit depressing that it, it seems to be this, like, machine that's in motion that is apparently unstoppable. And not like there's been anti-war candidates hugely, but, I, yeah, I, I agree. Not really that, since Ron Paul. I mean, he yeah. was the, he got the most donations from serving. Yeah, from soldier, active duty service Active members. duty, yeah. yeah. And and I believe Tulsi so far has set the record for that. And and I think that really does say something. That says yeah. that most people who are enlisted do not want to be fighting weird wars in foreign places yeah. for I possibly mean, I, really bad reasons. I have a hard time understanding how people at this point can't be against the the particularly the war in Afghanistan continuing like guys we're we're giving it back to the Taliban now and working with them because like we've been there for so long that political terminology has changed in the country <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous like we were we were talking about how in America Republicans and Democrats in terms of like policy on race and stuff like that how it did like a switcheroo and that took like a hundred years and they've had, now the Taliban are our buddies and that was only 18 years right <laughs> but I mean the Taliban were our buddies before they weren't our buddies right, so we really the question them. yeah and so Rocky the question was fighting is, with them yeah, it's, it's, it's the like, commies it's like well whose friend if we're talking CIA that's different to military is different right. to you know other spy agencies and right. other vested interests and then you know then there's there's all the other levels of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, so those two for anti-war. What what seems, I mean, criminal justice does seem like an issue that does come up a I little guess, bit or, or not really. Sort of lip service. I, I didn't watch either of the debates. Oh, I watched, so like, I can't I watched even. the whole first one for both of them. And almost all of the second one, but I couldn't watch anymore. So even being the one, the on one the that first Tulsi wasn't day in, I makes, couldn't finish watching. Yeah, so even <laughs> being on the first day makes a significant difference in terms of the field, right? Probably, yeah. So, so like, if you were to just, and maybe it's too early in the show, but, like, who would you... I mean, what I've seen so far in terms of predictions of what's going to happen is that it's going to be Biden, and I was like, yeah. really? That seems that, like, I mean, he does have know. the best name recognition and he's like a proven quantity and everybody looked really I mean, because kind of I don't like think Warren could him. do it, but I, that, that's actually a, <laughs> kind of something I would like to watch, oh, right? God. You just have like Trump hysteria on the one hand Pummeling and Pocahontas her into the ground. It would hysteria be terrible. on the other hand. I mean, it would just, I mean, it would be, you know, th- that season of politics <laughs> in America will be, you know, probably be my first and favorite. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, none of it. None of it looks good. Bernie Sanders isn't going to win. He's. I mean, I did read a prediction from. I want to say it was George Will, mm-hmm. um, Washington Post, right? You know, over, yeah. yeah, he. Um, I think he said Kamala. Really? I mean, she. There's a bunch of good like points in her column, um, particularly because she like talks progressive but has a law and order background, and her progressive talk is all lies. And sham. Oh wow! Well, I mean, no, she was anyway. As a prosecutor, there's all this. There, there's just oh, she a, was like super pro drug war, wasn't oh, yeah. she? Well, she was like a prosecutor. There's a laundry list of it. I mean, she she uh, sent parents to uh, jail for sending their kids to schools in different districts. <gasps> that was her. Yes. Oh she, wow. Um, used uh, 
like low level marijuana convicts as a firefighting squad during all the wildfires. Like she and they're and like joked about wanting more of them basically, because uh, they're like you know they're not like scary, and they'll just do, you know it, it, like it's I really mean, bad. I mean that to me seems worse than making a joke about bumping a, a person's head when getting into the car. Now I think that was despicable as well. Trump made that joke about like to to police officers where he was like, yeah, when you like knock their heads when oh. you put them in the car, that's all good kind yeah. of thing. But that's at least he great. didn't actually do it. Well, or they did. No, but he didn't. Like she, what we're right, talking about here officer. is her she, direct she actions, a, right. right? Yeah, and her office, exactly. No, I mean, and, and it's like, and then there's just like moments of extreme hypocrisy. Like she laughs and says that she smoked weed and enjoys to, uh, Snoop Dogg and blah blah blah. In, but didn't like, she make interviews. some Snoop Dogg quote? But then it was yeah, like it wasn't like, even from the right time well, no, or no. right album well, or yes, something. Right? She wasn't in college when the album she referenced came out. But also, like, she sent a bunch of people to jail for smoking pot. And she did, too. So, like, how can you live with yourself? You ruined all these people's lives. And you did the exact same thing they did. Or at least be contrite about uh, it and be like, you know what? I feel really bad about this thing I did. And I'm going to try and make the world better by rectifying Donating half of my salary to just, like, pay for rehabilitation for people who can't get a job because they went to jail for weed because of me. (laughs) But I think that that's part of the problem. Like, you know, not to... You know, we were talking about envy and greed earlier today, my husband and I, and and there's just a sense of, like, no one really wants to own or do any mea culpas. Like, I would like to see more of that. Like, can we have, like, a purge of some sort? Politics is, like, it's so nasty. Well, what's gotten weird is also it's that, like, yeah, you can't, you can't, like, you look weak if you say I was wrong, so it propels all of these like but, but total don't you psychopaths want to actually to... appeal to people who who appreciate those like like if you only I don't know appeal if most people to people appreciate that <laughs> you see people say it looks weak but i think it takes strength to be honest and to be honorable and to like right. be respectful and contrite and like all those things that we're supposed to strive to do right but think about it as like a Being, movie like a good person is hard. No, I know, but think about it like a movie that you're watching, you know, and like these people, like they're not people if you know what I mean. They're characters that are created for public consumption and like, do you want like but am uh, I the oh, only like one a weak need sniveling a hero, and, or do you want? But it's not weak need and sniveling. It's it's human. Like you right. have to have all those facets, otherwise you are dealing with like a cardboard cutout and some kind of stereotype, and then you end up with twenty fucking sociopaths and narcissists on a stage, being like, "I want to be the leader of the not so free world." Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm not talking about what I want. I'm like, and I, I feel like I say this too frequently, but it's just like, unfortunately, it's what it is. But no, I'm, I'm not talking about what I want. I'm talking about like how things are and the like, because we only have the way that things are to work with. But I also want to <laughs> inspire people to be like, but the way things are is not good enough, in my opinion. Yeah. It's, it's we can do better for crying out loud. Look at what, like... Look right, but even that, because, like, you, but I think the system is so corrupt that maybe we can't do better. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that the, so? It's like it's a game that people have a feeling of the rules for and have been playing for a long time, and so like I think that that's the like the politics game as it currently is is gonna keep evolving along the lines it has been evolving along, and so the like there are all these institutions and stuff that are set up to service that game. So like you can play it. And try to exploit it and use its own rules to be victorious for your ideas. Or you cannot, but then you lose out on the possibility of having any chance of having your ideas become successful. Sure, but here's a problem, right? Like, if we look at history, basically how you got rid of the deep state or, like, how you, like, fixed things in the past was assassination politics, right? Right. And the thing is, the state has gotten so big that that, and I'm not making any (laughs) suggestions, just huge disclaimer here, but I'm saying from a historic standpoint, right, there were these sort of purges and air quotes from time to time, right, where there were actually like pretty hardcore corrections. And as we've become more sort of civilized and 
that might even be in air quotes, but like as we're trying to figure things, and we have become more civilized, we're raising more and more people out of poverty, regardless of what the progressives have to say. Life has never been better, folks. It's true. And, you know, and we're dealing with diseases and all of it, right? So in some ways, we could say, historically speaking, we're quibbling, right? Yes, the cops killed too many innocent people. Right. But as things go, compared to the past, it's, you know, we could be doing better, but we're not doing You know, actually, so I, I read a funny, not to derail this, but I read a funny, like, uh, thought about that, which is that we were, we were just talking about losing weight also. Um, and there's this idea that the, like, the last 10% is always a lot harder than the first 90%, no matter what you're doing. Um, you're more interested and having fun with it and whatever for the first 90%. And then that last 10% just sucks. And so like with losing weight, the same thing, you know, the, the first 20 pounds is easy. The last 20 pounds. I mean, obviously that's more than 10%, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so with social issues and, uh, life expectancy and health and all these other things, um, it's easy to forget the 90% that we've already fixed, you know, and how much better things have gotten. And it seems like that last 10% is just this gaping chasm and it becomes like the biggest problem because we've solved the other problems. Right. And, and, but that's, I think where my frustration with sort of um, socialist policies comes from is I feel like we have a pretty solid track record that says these ideas end up in misery, like every time, and I, you know, and, that and wasn't I know real the, socialism, Carla. I, I understand <laughs> the true believers are out there, and they believe that that wasn't true socialism, and we can do it better with just the right tyrants in place. Then it's going to be awesome. Put the right guns in the right hands, and you know, it'll all work out. So, but, so, so I get that, and and so I'm I'm hopeful if we're going to use your your metaphor, right? So let's say we're like in the last ten percent of reaching the pinnacle of true human freedom, which guarantees a equality of opportunity, not a equality of outcome, because yeah. you can't actually legislate to make everyone the same. Yeah. It's just not and, possible. And like prosperity that makes it possible that, that all people could lead a satisfying life. Right. So so one way I, I thought about today, um, I'm going to try this out on you. It's, it's my first <laughs> foray into Ooh. a theory. New social policy. Um, what about if we framed the idea of human freedom with the concept that freedom means paying 0% taxes? Okay. And so, because I was watching some clip and people were like super butthurt that corporations try not to pay their fair share of taxes, right? Yeah. And, and I've always had the sense, you know, I believe taxation is theft. So I've sort of had the sense that, you know, to the extent that people can keep their money and reinvest it in the things they care about, including their workers and their yachts, both of those things are okay, folks. And... Um, and so I was like, well, what if also, you know, I mean, because when we had the American Revolution, that was 2% tax. Look where we are now, right? right? And and some of these Democratic candidates, you don't like it. I can tell uh, from your face. You're skeptical. Well, you think it's a hard sell or you just I think, think it's right, a bad way combo, to look at all it? All right, a couple of different things. It's, it's a hard sell, number one. I don't know if it's really the truth because I don't know if – necessarily I would experience maximum human freedom in a place where I wasn't paying some sort of taxes somewhere. I don't know that. You know what I mean? Like maybe, okay, maybe I, maximum I, human freedom is at like 4%. And that means that you don't have to worry about road maintenance and you can have highways. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure what the number, I, I don't know for certain okay. that that would be true. Sure. Um, yeah. My, mine's definitely more an uh, end cap argument and you're going to make a minarchist. Yeah, argument, probably. Which is okay. Yeah. Like I have, I haven't muddled this through yet. Well, I just yeah, am no, throwing no. it out there. I agree. And I know th well, that's the thing about like messaging communication. Like I, I like that you're throwing it out there. It's good. More people should throw things out there. That's how like memes work. Things catch on. You find out what works by, by putting it out into the world. But um, no, I mean, it's it's not that it, I, I feel like taxes is the wrong axis to put it on because freedom is about so much more than money. You know, I mean, I like was to, watching a specific economic thing, which is where it came from. So I do sure. think that's legit. So maybe it's like one you can throw out at econ. 
conferences, yeah. you know, where people think about things in those kinds of terms. It's but even probably with that, not going to work like, for everyone. But, like, yeah. even, like, economic freedom, it's, like, an outgrowth of self-ownership and all of those, like, other really deep, important concepts where um, it, like, animates the principles that you have. But you see, for me, self-ownership is, is like, claiming your health. Like, I feel like that's actually where it starts, right? Mm. Because the more you are empowered through your own engine that is you, yeah. you know, the 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 better things are. And I mean, we are in a really weird place in America where, I mean, a lot of the chronic disease is self-inflicted. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, every, you know, all these candidates, everyone, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, is like, we need universal health care. And I'm like, why is everyone sick? Like, yeah. that's what we need. Imagine we had a stage of 20 people up there who were going, you know what we need? We need to... And, oh, God, I almost uttered the word soda tax. Don't sue me, guys. <laughs> oh God. But, no, and, and I'm half kidding, right? Because I, I, I wouldn't do that because I right. think zero tax is, like, the way to go. But, like, if they were trying to encourage people to be better instead of encouraging oh people to be, like, lame-ass victims. This, well, this would be a controversial idea that would be met with consternation from body positivity activists. But... Instead of a gun buyback, there could be like a government fat buyback. And like <laughs> you like you get like X amount of universal basic income per pound you lose. Oh wow. That would be this is a terrible idea that would promote all kinds of terrible consequences that are unintended probably. It's it's not but, worse than <laughs> my, my solving the, the homeless problem with an app, so I, mm. I say we should throw all ideas out there. Fat buyback though. I don't know. It's I, not a bad idea. <laughs> I mean the thing is I, I would get maybe more into it. I mean, I'll, you need internal motivation for those things, but a little external motivation doesn't hurt. So <laughs> no, and I think it would be, um, why not? Like, why not at least explore other forms of incentives? Yeah. You know, like we know incentives work. Well, it's so complicated. And that's what, like, there was that guy, Cass Sunstein, that uh, Obama hired, and he wrote that book, Nudge, which was all about um, exerting, you know, light social pressure to modify people's behavior to make it better. It's more nudge and less nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Your policy, is she a goer? Does she go? You know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Anyway, uh, Monty Python, now yes. available on Netflix. Sponsor us, Netflix. Uh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but the, those uh, like little. It becomes more controversial when the government's implementing them because then all of a sudden it's like, wait, am I, am I paying you money to be socially engineered? I would prefer to socially engineer myself. If Fair I'm going enough. To... But you <laughs> see, this is the tension. This is a genuine thing I'm grappling with right now, right? And this is how you get statism and big government. So don't do anything that I'm about to suggest, please. <laughs> but I do see how the rabbit hole develops where you go – okay, if you are going to tax me and you're going to take my money to distribute it according to some kind of metric that we ostensibly are saying is fair because you can vote or leave the country, right? right. Those, are our, <laughs> those are our options. Right. Um, then I'm getting to the stage where I'm kind of like, but then you got to, like, if we're going to give everyone universal health care, I would rather not have self-inflicted chronic illness. I well, would rather have eat your broccoli. And this gets back to what we were talking about, like, uh, with the And then the, the next episode. thing you know, you're, like, pro-eugenics, well, and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, in the, in the episode we did about Sweden, they talked about there's the idea that I, I didn't bring it up in that show, but it's a concept. It's called the folk hemet. And I don't know if I said that right. But, uh, <laughs> the folk hemet. Um, but <laughs> I that sounded pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> It's a Swedish. Uh, but again, great accent. Um, anyway, but it's the concept of like uh, the state and society as a family. Um, but like when a bunch of weirdos marry into your family and they're not, it, 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 it stretches the ability. Like you need this cultural cohesion to feel comfortable giving all of your resources away to strangers. Well, it's also, it's just too big. Right. There's so many people. Like I even help your neighbor and all of that. Right. Actually, I wanted to, I'm not 100% sure what order these are going to go out in, but, you know, you had mentioned, um, 
you know, a friend with Down syndrome, child, and in your system, how would we help these people? And, you know, and I was like, but, you know, in, in communities where I grew up, like, I mean, we had, we have Down's children in our family. Mm. We have friends who have Down's children and whatever. But, you know, I would say within a circle, it's probably like within every 500 or 1,000 people, right? Mm. So there's this idea when we create this boogeyman of the poor person or the, the parent or the addict or the whatever, where it's, right. it, it almost feels like it's any one you don't know so when you know you have one out of five millennials have zero friends then when they're hearing that story they're like everyone is this right other well, thing I mean, I think and it's, it's kind like of, but you know what it really isn't well, like in part our of the, community part of the conversation, we have one paraplegic right but part of the part of the conversation too is that like in past eras of society there has by necessity been more local community cohesion and like I know you I'm an acquaintance with the across the street neighbor. I don't know the lady that's two houses down. I don't know the lady that's three houses down. And I don't know anybody that lives on the street near me here. Right? So I know three of the people in my, I know like an extended community in Manchester, but I know three people in my neighborhood. Well, Um, three on your street. Right. I know everyone because I've been here longer. Exactly. (laughs) I need to, I'm like a year late on bringing some cookies over to these other people. But (laughs) (laughs) no, but so, and then in in an apartment building, like I, I lived in an apartment building. I knew my downstairs neighbor because one time my apartment like flooded or something and it got water in his place. And so I got to know Miles (laughs) O'Keefe pretty well. He's a nice dude. Um, I didn't know my upstairs neighbor. I didn't know my people across. So like my community, and I, I moved away from my parents, which again, in, you know, a hundred years ago, statistically, nobody moved away from their parents. People lived multiple generations of a family in one town. Um, so the rules were very different with the expectations. And that's kind of, maybe it's part of the tension too, is that I think there's probably still a lot of America where that's the case, where it's multiple generations of a family. People don't leave. It's a small town, blah, blah, blah. But like, the whole push of our cultural story is like, leave the small town and go to the big city and become a bazillionaire, you know? So like the American story is like, get out of your Rube Hick place. But then the truth is like, Ooh, the Rube Hick place has a social safety net that can't exist in these other places where you leave everything behind. Right. And, and then that opens the door to, well, but then we need socialism because we do need the safety nets. And the way we're going to do it is instead of it being vulnerable, Voluntary and people saying, I'm going to help people I can see or one circle beyond that and right. that where, where one can control it and you have a sense of are you helping or hurting and all of that, uh, that gets replaced by this sort of machine. And, and right. that's the thing about government is it doesn't matter how well-intentioned its idea is. It ends up being corrupt and inefficient. That's just like built into the system. And I think it's... Right particularly because of the size. Like, I do think a smaller... Like, I think on a state basis, certainly for New Hampshire, I mean, Mm. we're talking 1.3 million people, seems... That seems like a doable number, you know? Yeah. But... um, but, you no, know, and it's all I mean, we, New York City's like 10 times that. Right, it's huge. No, I know. And so that's what... So it's like, I think that a lot of the... These ideas, I mean, they arise out of the necessity of, like, new modes of social organization. And that's what, like, the idea of... um, it's interesting. But bigger like, can't be better. Like how? How do this well, is I, what I, I don't, don't understand? No, I, I don't. I, for me, I don't think it is. But there might be people that it is better for. And I think that like, like I was just gonna say the answer. Like think about how uh, the first wave of immigrants in New York City lived in these tenement houses, and it was like you know you were stacked fourteen to a room, etc. And like that experience, that cultural experience, birthed public housing, which. The idea was to make something so it's like, well, then we won't have like 18 Irish people living in one room. And of course, like it had it came with all these different problems. But like the these whole there are whole different worlds of policies that are informed by the experience of these different places. And I absolutely agree. I think that like in a place in New Hampshire, that's still a relatively small community, even in our little city here in Manchester, I think. You can you can have a sense of community in general. Like I feel more of a kinship with all the people that live in this city 
than I, you know, than any of the other places that I've lived in the past, and probably because I've spent you know eleven years here, um, <laughs> which is the longer that I've life. I know it's longer <laughs> than I've spent anywhere else in the past. Yeah, I've but, spent uh, a quarter of my life here now. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's it's a difficult question because there's that whole idea. I forget the exact name of it, but the concept I, I learned is it's the idea of the monkey sphere, and it's like the Dunning number or something. Anyway, but it's basically oh, the that. 100? Yeah, it's 150. Like prim- primates can have 150 uh, individual. Uh, relationships in a social group and above that it's you basically make it faceless noise so like you can only really extend like real humanity to x number of people and i feel like we've probably evolved a certain amount in our ability to conceptualize since you know being a chimpanzee so our number is probably a little bit bigger as humans but like you know the the the, a lot of these small liberal arts colleges around here uh they were founded and they had like 2500 people or so and it's because that was the idea of like the uh the greek polis like Mm -hmm. the um if i forget if it was plato or aristotle but one of the two said that that was around the idea for an ideal city because then you could kind of know everyone right. like and, if you and would see familiar faces all the time you wouldn't have to know everybody but you would know of everybody and it was also a, it was based on a, uh, I think this might have been the Athenian method but where it was based like everyone had to volunteer for everything yeah so like you had to like you know one one year you got sewer duty and the next year you were mayor and yeah. you know I, I'm not sure if that would work better but it's kind of an <laughs> intro- no because the thing no, I know. is if really just randomly appointed how, how many skills do, you, you know, like maybe, maybe it could work. I don't know. And then we create the deep state because we're like, oh, right. we got to have these people in the, the middle because these other people are just the pretend. So those 20 people on the stage <laughs> and, you know, our, our, our orange fearless leader and all of that, it's just, it's just smoke and mirrors. <sighs> well... It's at least partially smoke and mirrors. I mean, it, it all obscures and all like the agita and concern over it. Like it obscures this beautiful, complicated political system we have where everyone's able to or everyone's supposed to be able to thwart everyone else. Like that's basically the American system of governance is like everybody gets like a heckler's veto and an ability to throw, you know, a wooden shoe into the gears. A monkey wrench in a the sabot. wrench. <laughs> um, but like which is the origin of the word sabotage, if you don't know. It was the, the wooden shoes named sabots. Factory workers had to wear them, and then they started jamming them Are those like the, the Holland shoes? Uh, well, the, the, Hol- the Dutch ones, yeah, those were for different purpose, but similar. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so they're like industrial was clogs. what, French? French, yeah. And they started jamming them into the machinery, and it would mess up the factories. Interesting. And, yeah. That's why it's sabotage. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for edifying me. I did not know that. But yeah, no, it's uh, there's like all of these different uh, systems that allow people to stop other people from being bad. Like that's the idea of American government is if anybody starts acting like a king, there's other people that can say, no, you're not. And they can remedy that. Although, do you think that's like the graft now, I think, in the U.S. government is insurmountably Insane, And I think the combination of, like, sort of Wall Street... You know, I was thinking about those 2008 bailouts again, mm. and I was just like, that was a lot of money. Although, again, and there were a lot be, of people who should have gone out of business. Uh, well, I, I agree that it was a lot of money. I don't agree if it was necessarily the right policy choice, but it wasn't a giveaway. They all paid it back. They, it was a forced loan that they all paid back within one year. So, like, it wasn't like the banks just got a bunch of free money. No, but there was a lot of qualitative, which one There was a major moral hazard, and there was quantitative easing that lowered the price of money. Yeah. That that was all in the aftermath of that. Yeah, Yeah. but they basically lent them free money and let them... But there were companies that didn't want it. I don't know, man. It was was definitely... There there was some shady, shady stuff that went on. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it was good. I'm just saying there's this idea that, like, like the the auto company bailouts, those were bailouts. Like, those were like, here's money, enjoy. (laughs) You know? Um, The 2008 financial crisis bailouts were slightly different. Um, Yeah, tell Lehman Brothers that. (laughs) Well, tell AIG that. They were forced out of business, basically, because they didn't take the money. So, and the other thing that's scary there, and maybe it's something we can talk about sometime, is just this whole pension mess. Oh I mean, boy. that is something I really want to get my hand, you know, my arms around here in New Hampshire. There's yeah. unfin- 
funded pension liabilities. It's all so. Here's my. Well, it'll maybe come to a head is, like in some other states, you know, where you end up with every teacher in the state on the state house lawn saying they won't work unless they right, get some right. crazy pension. And and so maybe this can be our our sort of starting to wrap up here because I'm definitely running out of steam. <laughs> <laughs> I see a little dinner time in my future. Yes. <laughs> It's a um, Monday night here, and we're hungry. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it is true. But, um, you know, so I guess just to go back to sort of this idea of New Hampshire being this unique place where if you're really into politics, it's it's a fun place to come play. Uh, it's fascinating to be able to watch these candidates. We're going to be doing some street theater and some free Ross stuff coming up, and we yep. can talk about that on another show. So, you know, we always invite people if you don't live in new hampshire and you like nature and small government and limited taxes and living within your means fearsome critters including moose and political candidates (laughs) (laughs) moose and wild boar and (laughs) wait do we have wild boar up here yeah there's yes so there is this um Refuge slash uh, private game farm oh, in really? Croydon, New Hampshire. That is like thousands of acres that you have to like. It is so secret. I think it costs like sixty thousand or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to buy into it. It's this what? private lodge, and they have wild boar. And once in a while, a wild boar from that game farm will escape into the greater New Hampshire. Oh my god! I know. And hopefully, <laughs> pop out a bunch of little boar babies. I mean, I know that that's that's a current meme right now is the 30 to 50 feral hogs meme, which is making Carla laugh uncontrollably away from the microphone. <laughs> but, <laughs> I know nothing I, of this meme. <laughs> I can only – it's – all right. We got like five minutes. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. There was an argument about gun control on the internet. Somebody said, why do you need uh, you know semi-automatic with that many rounds? And then a guy responds, <laughs> I have a question for rural America. How many rounds do I need to protect my children when 30 to 50 feral hogs come running at them every time they go outside to play? <laughs> and so, like, this spawned, like, there was a follow-up, and it's like, this is a real person who lives in, like, Texas or Arkansas or something, and there is a real feral hog problem. Like, there's, like, hundreds of thousands of javelina that, down there, and they eat everything, and they are dangerous. They do run at you. Oh, wow. I think rural America might be getting quite dangerous. I know. But anyway, it sounded so ridiculous that there are all these jokes now where it's like, you know, like mixing the memes together, like the guy slapping the car hood. And it's like, (laughs) this baby can fit so many 30 to 50 feral hogs. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Um, And then, of course, I guess, you know, just to sort of wrap up so that most of these candidates are pro red flag laws, pro gun control. And that, of course, is going to be the next big debate. And that'll be interesting just to see over the months how that plays out. Trump has come out and said he might support some kind of air quotes, folks, uh, you know, common sense, gun control, whatever all the bad words are or the good words, depending on, you know, where you fall out on this one. Um, And so that'll be interesting to see over time, too. But, you know, we're going to be in for an exciting ride here in the great granite state. Yeah, and there might be some fireworks coming up in about a week or so. Carla mentioned the uh, Free Ross uh, Street Theater action. It should be a fun time. There's going to be a big Trump rally here, which I'm sure will draw out all sorts of people. Uh, I know Joe Biden is doing a counter-protest at the Portland Pie Company across the street. So I I may go and just sort of check that out and maybe bring my camera. And uh, I don't know. It's it's uh, uh, We're running out of time here. But I, I, I hold another topic. I, I don't know if you follow Andy uh, No. I'm not, I don't know how to say his name. He's a v- Vietnamese last name. It's NGO. Um, he's a journalist that you know, reports on, like, the Antifa stuff in Portland, and he got attacked and, like, jacked up and broke his camera, like, broke his nose, all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah, like, he got really attacked. And it's funny, like, I I don't think that culture exists here in New Hampshire, but there is a part of me that's, like, uh, concerned 
for safety outside of these events in a way that I never was before. I mean, I would definitely recommend. Trump is so polarizing, yeah, you know? like, and and I think people should, if you are going to be doing any kind of uh, activism where there might be some kind of confrontation, which quite frankly might just yeah. be like walking in the street. If you have a right. lapel camera or your cell phone, make sure it's set up in a way. I saw something at a gun rally in New Hampshire from last week where someone did a a counter protest at a uh, gun control rally and, uh, you know, someone pushed the other, like it was kind of like the one guy was pushing the other guy and going, don't push me, don't push me, don't push me. But he was clearly the aggressor. And the only reason you could tell afterwards was because the guy had a lapel uh, camera. Yeah. No, and and did the whole like the guy didn't know the cameras on. He was like, "I'm going to take your sign. What are you going to do about it? Right. You know, like I'm a state yeah, rep. You're a nobody." Yeah, man, it was messed up. Yeah, it was but anyway, bad. so yeah, I I hope that like the you know I just feel like emotions are heightened. And I don't mean necessarily one side or the other, but it's just like this powder keg out there. It seems yeah, like, so. and so you know what, people, chill out. Yeah, enjoy life. Keep it frosty. I Love have no idea another, what that is. Keep it frosty. All right. <laughs> yeah. I just did big finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> so we're off for this week. Uh, this is Carla signing up. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend.